Good morning. It's great to be back with you. Um, I, uh, I thought for a second I was going to see something new there that I'd never seen before. I, I always, having listened to Ben a long time, you're always on your edge of your seat because you don't know what's coming for sure. And then when Greg's with him, it makes it a little scarier. And for a split second, I thought this was going to be the first church that talked about having your own personal seat licenses, but I didn't know. I thought, <laughs> he's really going to do it. But no, I, anyway. Um, it's great to be back with you. When I walked in today, I had this uh, overwhelming sense of that I was getting to do something special that I'd never done before. Uh, last time, when I was here last week, I came in through the back. Coming through the front this time, uh, I can now kind of put on my CV that uh, I was the opening act for Paranormal 4. <laughs> I didn't even know there were four at this point. I'm like, I realize this week I got like two to catch up on. Um, it's great to be with you today. I, um, I, I'm excited to hear that people have been thinking and wrestling a little bit uh, about what we talked about last week, because I continue to do the same. Uh, as I told you, our, our whole life is turned on its head for our schedule this year, and we're trying to figure things out. And um, Last week, I had my son Peter here with me, uh, because as I told you, we've had to rearrange Sabbath in our life because of youth football, and so... Here I am talking about Sabbath, and we jump in the car and go, I mean, I sped so terribly to get to Marymount in time. And uh, I saw a colleague later that night, um, who I, uh, someone from work, because we had a whole bunch of work stuff and a big week at CHCA. We were having a reaccreditation, and so there were dinners and visiting teams. And he said, yeah, I hear you're talking about Sabbath. And I said, yeah. He said, well, you're probably doing a great job at that. And I thought, well, you know, so it, it, again, as we talk today and start talking practically, I want you to know this is something we all wrestle with, that we all struggle uh, to figure what it means to live in God's time. So let's pray as we begin and then talk a little bit about where we go from here. God, we thank you for this time to come together to take time that we know is yours and to think about what Sabbath could mean for our lives. God, I believe so often we only scratch the surface of what you have for us. And so today, God, I pray that you give us a glimpse of what life can be if we take our time to be with you. Pray this in Christ's name. Amen. For those who are just joining us for the first time this week, last week we talked a little bit about this idea of Sabbath and that our lives in this culture have gotten so out of control that something in our culture has to break. And the part that becomes fearful for me and for others is that when they say it's not just our culture has gotten this way, but as so often happens, the church, the people of God, follow suit. And so we measure ourselves in our lives by how busy we are, by how many things we do. We become very much type A Christians who think Jesus loves us more if we can do more. And we talked about how from the very beginning, as we read Genesis chapter 1, we, we often stop reading because the story goes into chapter 2. And as the, as the week ends with Sabbath, God rests. And we forget about that as the creation story. We think the creation story is about how things happened and when, which is part of what it's about. But it ends with this punchline, that Sabbath was built into all reality. And so we said, first thing we need to know is time is God's. We throw around language about how we get this impression time is ours, that we can save, that we can manage, that we can spend, that we can budget, all financial stuff, but it's not ours we receive it as a gift from God. And that rather than this idea that time is ours, we said we should think about how time is something 
that we abide in. We abide in God's time. He made it. We live in it. And from there, we talked about the aspect of thinking that as God makes Sabbath, he tells them that it's to be, again, he sanctified the time, he hallowed the time, depending on what translation you're reading, but God sets it apart. It is a day that is holy. And that's what I want us to think about today. What does that really mean to have a day that is sacred, time that is set apart? Now, I grew up in a great Christian home, and we had Sabbath, all right? And, and for us, like many of us, Sabbath means going to church. And so I grew up in the kind of churches that you don't have many of anymore. Uh, we had Sunday morning service. We had Sunday night service. And so your whole day was bracketed around church. And so in my mind, I always knew there was Sabbath and Sabbath was important. But for me, the biggest part of that was thinking about church, which is significant. We'll talk more about that. And then how the rest of the day went was basically you couldn't do too much because church was, you know, always looming. That's how you thought of it as a kid, right? Because you got to get ready. Church is coming again. It wasn't until later that I experienced and started to begin to think about Sabbath differently. And it began my senior year of high school uh, when I got to spend a month living in Israel with host families. That's the first time I began to think about the Jewish life centered around Shabbat. And Shabbat and Sabbath are the same words. One's Hebrew, one's English. But Shabbat had a very different feeling, a very different way for me to think about life. Because Sabbath was something that you had to do because it came at the end of the week and there was church and there was Sunday school and there was youth group and there was church again at night. Shabbat was about a rhythm of life. And so Israel, if you've ever been there, Israel is a very, very secular country. There are not very many religious Jews. It's not like, you know, walking around in parts of Brooklyn. There are a couple little neighborhoods like that in Israel. But for the most part, they're no different than most of us in how we think about time. But Shabbat is so central to Judaism that it still has the flavor. It still has the feeling. And some of the things that are so cool in Israel, a very secular country, things begin to slow down on Fridays. Most companies close in the afternoon. School gets out at noon. You start seeing all these people out on the corner selling flowers because everyone wants to buy flowers to take them home on Shabbat. Instead of just saying shalom or, you know, how are you or hi, people start saying Shabbat shalom starting on Friday afternoon. There's a different way that we greet each other. People start making big meals because it's a time you get together as a family and eat. Soldiers who can come home on Friday evening. So you see the bus stops and you see soldiers everywhere. And again, it's Israel, so they're all staying around with their M16s, which looks kind of weird. But they're going to Shabbat dinner. They're coming home. And families come together. And the more religious they are, the stricter those rules become about how they carry out Shabbat. My first experience to realize Shabbat was very different is when we were in high school living with students in Israel, you do life like Israeli kids. So you hang out with them, you go out with them, you do things with them. And so there was going to be a party where everyone was getting together. And so a couple American friends were like, hey, let's go. Uh, so we did what we did to go to that friend's house every day. We went out to the bus stop. We waited and we waited and we waited and we waited and we thought, well, what's going on here? We didn't realize buses stop in Israel once the sun sets on Friday. It's Shabbat. If you go into Jewish buildings, and this can happen in Jewish neighborhoods in the United States, elevators stop at every floor because you can't 
push the buttons. Right? Things change. The rhythm changes. And even if you're not a religious Jew, life feels different on Shabbat. It is a weekly holiday. It is a weekly day that is special. So it's interesting. The Bible says some things about Shabbat and what it should be. And it talks about, like God, we should cease from working. And then it gives us a few examples of what that means. And then the, the Torah, the law, says two different things about Shabbat. It talks about both things that we should do and things that we shouldn't. All right? It gives us this picture of how we should think about our time. And so it starts out with these thou shalt nots, right? And that's usually when we think about anything in the Bible, sadly, we think about the thou shalt nots. And so there's the no lighting fire, the no work, no commerce. And then it's interesting because if you know anything about Judaism, this is where the rabbis then have a blast because they say, look, here's the Torah, right? This is this law we can't break. So what the rabbis do is they say, let's build a fence around Torah to make sure we don't accidentally break the rule. And so rabbis start to ask themselves for hundreds of years in these debates, what does it mean to not work? What does it mean to not light a fire? What does it mean to not do commerce? So they come up with pages and pages and volumes of Talmud to talk about what we should not do. And so if you know modern Jews, this idea of not lighting a fire becomes, well, electricity, there's a spark. And so in a very religious Jewish home, once Shabbat is coming, Friday afternoon, you get the house ready and you're making a big meal for your family, but you can't cook the next day because until Saturday evening when the sun sets, you can't light anything. So they get a crockpot meal going. All right, you start your crockpot meal for Saturday on Friday night. You turn on every light that you need in your house. You turn on the television station that you want on for the next day. You turn on the radio if you want the radio on. If you want your laptop up, you better get it going before Shabbat begins. And there's like, because we can't work. Which has led to these weird kind of quirky things in Israel. Because like, if you're a little kid and you want to be like a lot of little kids and really, you know, get under your parents' skin, and they're good Orthodox Jews who are good Sabbath keepers, one of the little tricks they'll play is they'll turn the light off in the bathroom. <laughs> All right? Like, you're a good Orthodox Jew. You can't make the case this is to save a life. You've got no lights in your bathroom. And you can't go out and ask someone to turn it on for you. And so I, I talked to this, this person I know in Israel who said, sometimes you'll be having a conversation with one of your neighbors, and this is a non-Jewish person, and he's, he's having this conversation with a neighbor where it's kind of like winding around and it's kind of bizarre and he's talking about his bathroom and he's, he's like, what, why is he telling me this? And then he realizes, oh, he wants me to turn on his bathroom light, but he can't ask, and because I'm a goy, I can do it without breaking Sabbath. And so there's this weird kind of thing, and it, you will see in Israel on Shabbat, you will see Jewish folks walking around with an unlit cigarette in their mouth. Because if they're a smoker and they want to smoke, it's not against Sabbath to smoke, but it's against Sabbath to light a fire to light your. And if I go up to someone and I ask you, hey, could you please give me a light? I've then broken the Sabbath. But if some goy 
See, this is, the, this is like the rhythm of Israel, right? Like people just know this kind of stuff. So if you're walking along and you see a guy walking along with an unlit cigarette, hey, could I light that for you? And he can say, oh, sure. And you can light his cigarette. So as you, as you watch the news and think Israel is this place where everybody's constantly fighting and Jews and Arabs all hate each other, that's like these weird little pockets of places. Most places are going around like turning on each other's bathroom lights and lighting cigarettes. It's like this weird symbiotic relationship where they all learn how to get along. But this idea of what you shall not do, say because it's keeping it holy, keeping it sacred. The bottom line is that you should not create on Shabbat. So a Jewish person can study Torah and can do things like that, but other things to create, to write music, to write language, to, to build things, goes against what the creator asks us to do. So they take a step back. There's this idea that if we take a day where we don't make, we don't build, we don't create, we don't affect the world we're in, there's this humbling thing that we aren't in control. It's God's time and we live in it. Then there are all the thou shalts, right? So it's not just rules about what you shouldn't do. There are things you should do in Sabbath, according to Jewish law. And it's about a number of things. It's about worship, right? If you read in Scripture, it talks about come together for worship on Shabbat. Ancient Shabbat was a time of festivals and feasting. It was a time of study Torah, of law. You couldn't study other things, but if you're studying Torah, that's an act of worship. The first time I spoke here, I talked about study as worship. And this idea that we think of study as something bad and then, you know, you worship God. But in Judaism, this idea that studying God's word is an act of worship. And the other thing that's really big in Shabbat is the idea of spending time with community, relationships with people we care about, with families, with your religious community, with your spouse. Right? We sometimes... Think about, you know, the Orthodox Jews and how, you know, we see that as so restricting and so um, conservative in many, wa- in many ways. If you read Talmud, rabbis especially, but spouses are supposed to have sex on, on Shabbat. That's like, a, that's like a deed that should really be, because this idea of relationship and, and being connected to people is an important part of Shabbat. So Shabbat is this happy time. It's this celebratory time. We often, when we hear rules in our culture, especially in Christianity, we see it as something, you know, like death, something that's life-killing, spirit-killing. But when you look at the names that Jewish tradition has about Sabbath, my favorite, Shabbat Malcha, Sabbath queen. Sabbath is a queen. Sabbath is a bride. And there are all these songs that people sing to welcome Sabbath. So we, in our culture that is so rushed and so busy, hear these kinds of restrictions, and we think, oh my gosh, what drudgery. How do you get through this? And they see it as the queen coming. And you have these great stories from the Middle Ages where people would go outside in the village as the sun is setting, and they'd sing these songs to Queen Sabbath, welcoming her into the town. Sabbath has that kind of power in Jewish life. And Lauren Winner, who I mentioned last week, and we'll talk some more about, and other Jewish folks who leave Judaism and become Christian or something else, they say the thing they miss the most is Shabbat. 
You see, as Shabbat ends, and I mentioned this briefly last week, there's this brief little ceremony called Havdalah, which means separation. And you light candles again, and you say some prayers, and you bless bread, and then they pass around this little spice box, and they're ornate and all different looks. Some are wooden, some are metal. They have little holes in it, and they put spices in it, like cinnamon and nutmeg and cinnamon and different herbs. And they pass it around the table, and everyone smells it. And it's to leave the scent of Sabbath in our noses. So as we leave and break Shabbat and go back into regular time, it's like that's still in our minds, that Sabbath is coming. And so if you look in the, in the scriptures, there's two commandments. As we mentioned, there's one in Exodus, there's one in Deuteronomy. One talks about remember to keep the Sabbath, and the other says remember to observe the Sabbath. Again, for most people, you read that and you go, keep, observe, it's basically the same thing. But that's not what rabbis do, right? The rabbis, they got to figure out why one word, why not the other, and they dig into it. And there's this powerful thing that they ended up saying, you know what? It's because for the days up before Sabbath, as you prepare and get into Sabbath, you're keeping it. But then as soon as Sabbath is over, you begin in this observing this idea of carrying on and remembering Sabbath. We're to remember the Sabbath, and we're to observe or keep the Sabbath. But in Judaism, all life resolve, revolves around Sabbath. So here's the thing that we need to think about. The so what? How should we live? What does it mean for a modern Christian person living in this place, in this culture, to think about Sabbath? And here's where we have to be really, really careful. Because the reason most people don't do Sabbath, I would argue, is because the way Sabbath was enforced and kept through much of Christianity became so overbearing and destructive that people quit doing it. I mean, we can all read great stories about Puritans, right? About how Sabbath became ridiculous. Sabbath became a burden. And so... From the time of 321, Constantine makes this day Sunday, switches from Saturday to Sunday. This is Sabbath. Christians have celebrated this. But here's what I want us to think about, and I want you to think about. If there's one thing that we should keep in mind as we think about Sabbath, we've already talked about it's God's time, and we live in it and keeping it sacred. And as I have wrestled with this in my own life, the key idea I've thought about is, how do we break our normal rhythms? You see, Sabbath is a time outside of time. The rhythms of normal life break down. The types of things we expect to do. Monday through Friday, most of us have a very ordered world that centers around a few key things. We used to think in America that the, sab the, that the weekend was you know, kind of when you let down and you do your own thing. Most of us will acknowledge that it starts to bleed over and Saturdays now get sucked into Fridays. And Sundays, if anything, become the gear up because now i got to plan ahead for what I'm doing next week. So as you think about what are the practical things we can do, begin with this underlying concept. How do we break the rhythms and patterns of our life?
And as I do that, I'm just going to share some things that I have done or tried to do. And some work well, some don't. Some might make sense for you, others won't. Beginning with, and I said this last time, I start with this. When I hit Shabbat, I try to disconnect. For me, and I would guess for many of you, in your lives, how they go, that's probably the hardest thing to do. But if you want to break rhythms and break an addiction, realize how connected you are to your technology. If you decide you're no longer going to pay attention to the things you normally pay attention to, if you're no longer checking all your work emails, even you go, well, I'm not going to answer it, but let me just see what's going on. I'm all of a sudden back in a diff different rhythm. I'm in the week's rhythm. If I try to connect less with people who are pressing me into that rhythm, Sabbath can begin to happen. And as I do that, what I find is that other relationships that are around me begin to be influenced. If you kept a little ledger about just a regular day in your life, think about how much time we are with people that we are in relationship, but we don't spend the time with the people we're in relationship because we're connecting with someone that's away from us because of the technology. Once we begin to disconnect, the relationships around us become clearer. Those faces begin to come back into focus, and we spend time with the ones we're with. I'm always saddened when I see the statistics about all the things that trouble families, when I see that Christian families really don't do much better than everybody else. It's because the value that we put on stuff, managing our time, managing our life, managing our careers, sometimes gets in the way of the people God has put into our lives. And so we've made a big deal in our house to say when Shabbat comes, Sundays, or for this stretch of time, Saturday noon to Sunday noon, how do we do things together? That's a big deal because everything in the way American culture's set up right now is that we all go separately. Nothing in our world pulls us together. So whether it's a family dinner, whether it's going on an outing. We have a tradition in our family. Um, there's, a, there's a constant, you know, kind of a banter in the state of Wisconsin where I'm from. Um, are there more Catholics or are there more Lutherans? You know, which is the more prominent religion? And the answer is a trick question. It's actually Packer fans. And so one of the things, really, and this goes back to my childhood. My parents are here today. They can confirm this. I... We, we would watch football, and my boys watch football with me, and my wife will watch it, and it's kind of like this family event. But here's the thing. For some families, that is not a family event, and the biggest religion in American culture, Sunday, you know, fall football, becomes a divider of families because one person goes one way and the other people go another. Again, there aren't hard and fast rules. It's what brings us together as community. Another thing we think about is rest. I mean, right? It was, it's blatant. It's in the text. God rests. 
which is one of those great metaphors that, okay, what does that mean that God rests? But we won't worry about that. That's for a different series. But do we just rest? None of us get the sleep we're supposed to get. And if you do, you know, you got to talk to me and tell me how you do it. Sunday naps are a great thing. We don't nap. We don't rest. We don't lie around much because we have things to do. One of the things we've talked about in our family is, look, it's okay to rest. Some Sabbaths, it's like, you know what? We had an event planned. We're all going to go to a park. We're all going to do this. Or we, let's, just, let's just rest. All of us would be better, more like the image of God built inside of us if we rested more. Do we rest? Another part, and this goes against everything that we're told to be an American, and Lauren Winter, Winter in her book, um, Mudhouse Sabbath, talks about this one. One of the, one of the um, things in Sabbath is that's the end of commerce. We don't work, our servants don't work, our animals don't work, we don't buy, we don't sell. Um, there used to be a time in America where everything shut down on Sundays. That isn't the case anymore. I understand all the arguments why, and I'm not arguing we should go back to that. But if you think about how much in a commercial society we are driven to buy things, we've talked in our family about, you know, what does it mean if we don't spend money on Shabbat? Well, that's a, I, right there, like some of you are offended, like how dare you just ruined our economy. Um, <laughs> right, because our buying is what makes things move forward. How dare we not buy? I still remember that line, right? After 9-11, everyone was, and it was, hey, go out and buy stuff again. You know, like, what a great American response. Our Shabbat, our Sabbath, again, what you want to make of that, make what you want. But for us, trying not to buy on Shabbat breaks a normal rhythm. Because if you've ever done one of those like financial things and you keep track of all the money you spend, you, you don't even realize you're just spending money all the time. It's what you do. And if this is about setting a day apart, making it different, sometimes it's not even so much about what you're doing or what you're not doing, but by the change of pattern, you change your rhythm. When you go to all of a sudden, let me just run to the store real quickly and pick up. There's this, just wait at Shabbat. It's Sabbath. How does God help us shift our minds, shift our thinkings? Here's my warnings, and these are important. There's a couple things. One is, there is this popular notion of, of Sabbath kind of ideas nowadays, because our culture's burning out, and it's this, hey, you owe it to yourself. You should take time. You, you'll think how much more, you'll hear this even in business now. Look, take the time off. How much more productive will you be if you rest a day? How much more productive will you be the other six? That may be true, but that's missing the point of Sabbath. Sabbath ultimately is about God, not about how to benefit me more, how to make me more productive, how to make me happier. I believe when we live in God's time and in God's rhythm and in God's plan and in God's wisdom, those things come to us. But the focus should never be about what do I get out of it? I should do this because this will be good for me. We do this because it's our way of humbling ourselves 
in honoring our creator, in realizing we don't run the universe. That sounds like a dumb thing to say, but if you think about the things you worry about, the things that make us anxious, that drive us, it's that we do think ultimately if we play our cards right, we have the control. Sabbath teaches us we live in God's time. And here's the other thing. Shabbat is important. But we have to be careful as we institute things into our lives that again, we don't become slaves to it. Because then we get right back in the same boat that Jesus is trying to correct when he's talking to people about what are you doing? What are you doing? You see, Jesus says, we weren't made for Sabbath. Sabbath for us was something we were to live in. It says later, Paul says in Colossians, he says, look, don't get all caught up in how you, you know, have a feast day or a new moon festival or a Sabbath. To one, one day is holy, to another, another. Don't get all caught up in it. This is a day that is to move us towards God and towards each other. But as soon as it becomes about the rules, then it becomes something that drives us and divides us and makes us angry and you're yelling at your kid because he just broke the Sabbath and wrecked it for the whole family and why didn't we get ready in time and it's always you. you know, I, and all of a sudden it's like, just wait, why, why are we doing this again? So as you start to think in your own life about Shabbat, I would suggest this little principle, start small, right? Don't, don't go Hasidic Jew the first week. <laughs> Buy a bunch of crock pots, you know, get all your electronics out. I mean, it's probably not the way to start this. I'm saying that more for me because that's how I do everything. And my wife was like, you idiot. That's why you can never do any of these things. You just go full in. Start small. Figure out little ways you can start to institute this in your life. Let me say one last thing about all this. We're told that it's about keeping the day holy. It's about setting time for the sacred. There is this powerful, powerful picture as Jesus is dying on the cross that the holy of holies the area in the temple where no one could go but the high priest once a, year, once a year because it was so holy, you would die to go in there. And even the high priest, the holy man, wore bells and had ropes around his waist because when he went in there once a year, God might strike him dead and they'd have to pull him out. As Jesus dies, that curtain is ripped from top to bottom, opening away. Now here's the thing. Here's, here's what happened in modern American Christian culture. We look at that and we say, we have access into the Holy of Holies. There's no longer a barrier. It's not the super, super holy and then for the rest of us. But we've missed the point. Because what's really happened in our culture is that we've made nothing holy. We've scoured holiness from everything. 
the ancient Israelites had this dynamic distinction between what is holy and what is profane. As the curtain is rent, the picture is that in Christ, everything is holy. Everything is holy. Not just some stuff, but all of us can experience the overwhelming power in holiness, otherness of God. That's what Jesus' death and resurrection makes available. But our culture has made everything secular. And sadly, we've bought into it. So maybe really what I'm asking is that we all consider if all is holy and set apart to God, maybe we could be reminded by, of that by beginning with one day. Let's pray. God, as we think about your word and your life for us, let us get a glimpse of the fact that you have made all things new and all things holy. And as that runs counter to everything we think and feel most of the time, help us figure out how to begin to put small measures in our life that allows us to see your holiness. And that as we take this time to be with you and with each other, that you continue to make us new. And so that as those in a world that is broken look at us, they get a glimpse of who you are. Make us and mold us as you'd have us be, I pray in Christ's name. Amen. You guys want to show Dr. Nick one more time how proud you are to have him here? Hey, so thanks for sending in the questions that you did. Got a lot of them. Um, and again, like last week, a lot of them fall into really the same category. So I'm going to summarize some of what was sent. Uh, maybe one or two I'll ask directly. So one of the things people ask, and I think you might have hit on it at the end, but maybe just expound on it. Um, does Sabbath have to be a 24-hour period? So I don't have one now. I'm trying to figure out how to implement. What would you say to that? I, I'd put that in the start small category uh, in fine times that we set apart. But one of the things that I think is significant is that we find a, we try to find a point or work toward a point that it becomes a fixed time weekly or monthly or however you're going to do it. But there's something powerful about the discipline of having to stay to a fixed time. Because what I find in my own life when I try to do spiritual disciplines and things like that, the more I give myself the freedom and say, we're not bound under the law, I can move this around and do it however I want, I find it slowly fading away. So there's something powerful, like the artist who has to follow and stick to a form. It's the poet who has to follow the sonnet structure. There's certain power in being in a certain structure. I would say find something that you stick to. And as you build on that, I think there is something powerful about a 24-hour period. Mm -hmm. um, but again, starting small is the key to doing just yeah, about anything. Something's better than nothing. Right. Is the Very much there. so. Um, all right, so especially for people maybe who have been around church for a while and they've maybe had a history of Sabbath and now they're out of routine. 
What do you say to someone when they mess up Sabbath? What's the right thing to do? Do you like, you know, d destroy yourself uh, emotionally? Scourging uh, do you is take, always the You scourge. take the whole six, you know, you take yeah. the whole year off and you say, I'll get it next time. What, right. how, how do you manage that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, we're probably going to screw it up a lot. I'm yeah. There's, a, there's this great thing in, in, for Muslims in Ramadan that as they're fasting, if they screw up accidentally, you're cooking a meal, you're making something you don't even think, and you like, you know, lick your finger, you pop something in your mouth to try it, and they, I'm supposed to be fasting. They call that a gift from God. Like that, they didn't do it intentionally. If intentionally, you're like, I'm really hungry and screw this, I'm eating. Then it's like, <laughs> you have to make up. Like, it's, it's ridiculous numbers. Like, like 15 more months, like spread out over your life. So wow. here's the point about this or any spiritual gift. You're wondering like, how did I go to Ramadan off a of spiritual gift? <laughs> yeah, it was so, great. Um, any spiritual discipline, Sabbath itself, is a gift of God, and it's only by God's grace. God knows us better than we know ourselves. God knows we're going to screw up. Screwing up is part of the process. All you got to do is sit down and read the Bible, and it's a great story because it's all screw-ups. Every great hero in the Bible, sadly, we preach about all the stuff they do right, but the vast majority of it is screw-ups. And so I'd say, as you screw up, you say, well, next week's coming. Yeah. And that's part of the keeping that rhythm, right? Right. You, you do get a chance to re-engage this in a fresh yeah. way. Yeah, don't pile it on yourself. Don't say, man, I really screwed up Sunday, so I'm taking Monday off, and I'm going to try to do this. And just let it go, move into your week, and say, okay, what happens next week? That's good. How do I do this differently? One of the things um, we've seen, and this came in a couple of different directions, and again, I think you spoke to this on two different parts, but this question might pull them together. So uh, life's busy. Um, Sundays aren't sacred like they used to be for, for our communities in general. A lot of sports stuff happens on Sunday mornings, like even your son has Sunday afternoon football. Um, we find that sometimes, though, people take Sabbath from church. They're so tired, Sunday mornings is a little less busy than Saturdays for people. So Sunday's like they get to sleep late. They don't really have to do the church thing. So that be, they exchange church for family time. How would you... What would you say to that and how you kind of blend all those things together and find balance? It's not a yeah. trick question, by the way. <laughs> you can be invited back. That, that's right. or, or not. That's right. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I, I, um, <laughs> it's a joke. I'm kidding. You know what? Here, here's the thing, and this is what really worries me, is that American culture, particularly, I mean, really from its start, is very individualistic. But anytime I read scripture and think about how God talks about having covenant with people, it's always in community. And so I worry about this American idea that says church is one more commodity and I use it as much as it's convenient mm. for me. Mm. And so that's a Presbyterian amen right there. <laughs> so, part, so part of that, I, I say, well, let's think then about how we do church or one church happens or how you structure the rest of your life. But I'm worried about this idea that, you know what, I'm going to take Sabbath, but I'm going to stop doing this meeting with believers and worshiping and having community together because that's almost like throwing the baby out with the bathwater. We're supposed to have time so that that primarily happens. To move that out is kind of like getting the window dressing without really getting the substance of the house. Yeah, yeah and let, let me... If you don't mind, I'll take 30 seconds. On the other side, if honestly, if church is an unhealthy thing, if you're in an unhealthy pattern, rather than drop church, why don't you find a healthy way to do church or find a healthy church to do church with? Right. Um, I, I think that's a much better way than throwing out the whole concept, well, I just need 
But I have some friends who have struggled with this, and they have started home churches where it's at a different time, it's much more low-key, but they set aside a time every week where other believers get together and they do life together. Christian life, all life, was meant to be done in community. And so the, the more we get out of this idea that it's just us and we don't have to worry about those people, we miss what God is trying to do, I think, mm-hmm. through his church. That's good. Last week you answered this, but I think it, based on last week's and this week's, this is the most popular question. Something about how do you find time. So last week you talked about shifting your Sabbath a little bit um, from a Saturday. And you mentioned that today, but maybe just one more time hit that. Um, I'm busy. There doesn't seem to be time. How flexible can that be? All right, there's two parts of that. One, I think it's just a crazy culture. I said, look, I'm teaching at a Christian or working at a Christian institution, and I have to try to move my schedule around because the way it overruns Sunday. So I get in a secular work environment, look, no one cares about Sunday. It's another day of the week. And so how we move it, I think that's part of just living at this point in American culture. But the other part, and this is my constant battle, even in my work, is that we have bought into a mindset that we deserve and should have everything, and if it's good, we deserve it. And part of making anything Christ-centered in our lives work is that we have to be willing to cut things out. And here's the thing that really smacks against what we've been told, even cutting out good things. Mm. There are great things my family could do, but Sabbath has to take precedent at some point. If we just wait till we have enough free time to do a Sabbath, I guarantee you, you will never do a Sabbath. If you wait till you have enough time to pray or do other spiritual disciplines, it will never happen. And so there is something very un-American and sounds like the Unabomber going off in a little cabin in Montana. But there is a point at which we have to say, here are the boundaries, here are the limits, and I won't let even good things encroach on that time. That's good. Now, one of the things you said that we shouldn't cut out of sex, though. I, did I get that right? Just What was that rule Damn. about I w- Sabbath? I wouldn't be sure. with the Hodges if this didn't come up. <laughs> making sure my wife was still in the room on that one. Take notes, honey. All right. You guys, the more things change, the more they stay the same. I know. Hey, did you say your parents are here? Did I, did my you, parents are here, actually. Where, where are you guys? Where, where are they? Yeah. Up there. Thank you so much for being here. Guys, would you say welcome yeah. to them? Woo! Thank you. I love your son. He's a great friend, a good man of God. Yeah. Powerful. You guys want to say thank you to Dr. Nick one more yeah. time? Thank you, Dr. Nick. Thank you. Love you, bro. Hey, we're going to take some next steps together. If you're a guest with us today, this is where we pull back out those connect cards you filled out the front, gave us your email with. And we believe you come to church to be changed in the image of Christ, but even if you're not a Christian, to be advanced forward in your, in your journey in, in, on this earth. And so we do that by not just getting stirred, we do that by actually punishing behaviors around what we're hearing. And so every week we suggest a few, and we participate together as a community by checking a box, putting it in the offering bucket when it comes by later. And every week I start with the same couple ones, and they begin with what we feel like is the most important decision you can ever make on this side of eternity, and that is, is Jesus going to lead your life or are you going to lead your life? So next step A, I want to invite you, if you haven't done this yet, to begin a relationship with Jesus to make him your Lord, that's the Bible word, it simply means the leader, and the Savior, which is simply another Bible word that means the one who covers your sin, the Lord and Savior of your life. If you'd like to do that, you can check the box, and we'll send you via email and via snail mail just some simple, understandable tools you can use to know what that means and walk you through that. We don't 
berate you. We don't call you, but we just want to help you understand what we believe is the most important decision you can make in life. So go ahead and check that box, and we'll be in contact with you this week. Next step B, I want to get baptized. If you'd like to go public with your faith and say, I'm not ashamed of Jesus, he's changed my life, and I just want to celebrate that with people that have also done that, um, check the box and we'll be in touch with you about that. And then next step C for us today, this is simply about acknowledging something. And here it is. I see the impact that not observing Sabbath is having on my life and those I love. I wonder if you could just do a quick inventory and say, hey, let's just be honest. I can begin to see the negative impact of that. I I really believe that sometimes acknowledging where we are with honesty and brutal kind of insight begins to be the catalyst for change for us. I I know for me, when I sit down, I'll be checking this box. How about next step D? I am making a change in the way I observe Sabbath starting this week. I don't know what change you need to make, so I can't be any more specific than that, but Would you commit and then let the staff and I and our prayer team rally around you and lift you up in prayer as you try to make a change, starting small, to build this routine in your family? Hey, moms, dads, what if while your kids are whatever age they are, you take the rest of the time that you have major influence with them and you help build this into their lives, knowing that the culture's never going to encourage this? But you could, and you can make this a part. Why don't you join with me in taking a step in that direction today? And the next step, E. Worshiping God with my church family needs to be a higher priority in life. That coming together as a family, that's why the Bible calls us brothers and sisters. Hey, let's pray about those things and let's worship God together. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for the gift of your word. It really does light our path. It really does show us the way to go. God, would you help us today to take the simple yet profound truths we've heard and begin to make application? Because, Lord, as you told us, it's not in knowing your word, but it's in doing your word that the change and the power comes. God, we want want this to be your life, not just ours. It is your time. And God, we want to make space for you to work. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing and how you're calling us to all that you have for us. We pray all this stuff, all that you're doing, in your holy name. Amen.